My name is Joel Natale. I have a very special program for you today as we're going to talk about coaching and and leadership. And I'm just super blessed and stoked to have my friend Bill Cox on the line with us here. And like I tell everybody, this is a family show. We kind of know want to know your origin story. And uh, you grew up in Crawford County, correct? That is correct. Little town called Guy's Mills. And and uh, can you just explain kind of where you're Because you grew up on a farm. I mean, kind of share some of uh, what life was like as a kid and then what, what happened from there. Yeah, so just um, grew up in the country. Live uh, Actually share the same driveway with my father. Um, 1,400 feet from where I grew up and uh, grew up with just a normal rural family life. My dad, um, he was like the, he was like MacGyver. He was a mechanics mechanic. He was an electrician and he just being involved, working, producing with his hands was like his playground. So he'd work all day as an electrician and then he'd come home and farm at night and uh, he grew up on a beef farm and then when I was about uh, 11 years old he drafted all the kids into his passion for starting a dairy farm and we did that through all my years uh, throughout high school just had a great kind of a great family farm experience all my life growing up until until I really went to college and 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 at some point and, at some point Bill you you made that kind of effort to be kind of a leader of people. Can you explain that? Yeah. You know, I, I grew up thinking I'd, I'd be a farmer until about my senior year in high school. And uh, I had what I always think of as one of my pivotal life experiences is, is as, a, as a basketball player, my, my coach, my senior year, his name was pastor Dave Maitland. He, um, he saw leadership potential in me that, I had never seen it myself and that um, nobody had ever really called out or pointed out before until my senior year. And it was in that environment of playing for him and being the point guard on that team that he really just kind of let me run the team. I had transferred from a public school the year before. And I remember he, he said to me, he said, if you come play basketball for me, I'll make you a star. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> And the no kidding, the first game I played for him when I transferred, he put my name with stars and lights around it on the um, on the coach's door, and the coach's door in that school led right out onto the basketball floor. So he made me come out of that room by myself for that first game, and he was just that's just kind of the guy he was. But he saw potential in me. And I just had a great two-year relationship with him. We had a really great senior season and it, it kind of ignited something in me related to leadership. And, um, it kind of changed the whole trajectory of my life. I went from there to, um, Bible college after my senior year, because I, I was going to a Christian school and, um, really wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And I thought, Hey, if you don't know what you're going to do, Bible college is a great place to figure it out. I knew, I knew that I wanted to meet a girl and I knew that I wanted to continue to play basketball. And I knew that I wanted to do it in a good environment. And, uh, 
went through all those three years of Bible college and it really wasn't that positive of an experience. Went through all that and thought the ministry was the last thing in the world that I would ever want to do. Came back home, started working for my dad as an electrician, and then I just started volunteering for a youth group. And it was in the environment of working with high school students that my initial vision and calling for my life emerged, which was for ministry and to to mentor and, and work with people. And that was really those two experiences, working, like playing for Pastor Dave, and then serving as a volunteer in that youth group really connected with some core passions and gifts that I had had latent that I wasn't even fully aware of until I experienced those two moments. And it was that that really put me on a path toward full-time ministry, which I was then in for a couple of decades. Amazing. You know, just again, I'm not sure people realize what one, you know, what one moment in time how that could be a pivot, how that could be kind of a, um, you know, that fulcrum of change. And, and, and people are experiencing those fulcrums maybe sometimes multiple times in their lives, right? Yeah, no doubt. You know, I just always, there's so much being made today about people finding their passion and, and knowing it is what they're supposed to do with the rest of their life. I think there's so much pressure being put on high school students. And I think it's pretty unrealistic. I always just say, you know, in order to figure out what you're supposed to do, there might be a few outliers that, you know, when they're five years old, they know what they're supposed to do. But I think most people, they need to just step into life and experience life. And it's in the experiencing of life that we learn so much about ourselves. That we learn what we're good at, what we're not good at, what we love, what we don't love. And, and that to me is a, a critical piece. And, you know, for me, it was, just like you said, it was it was a pivot point. It changed the whole trajectory of my life. It uncovered things that made me aware of about myself, that I was passionate about leadership, that I was passionate about mentoring and coaching people, and did that a lot, formally and informally, over the whole two decades that, that I was in ministry, which that was ultimately the that experience that led me into coaching full-time. All right. Well, let's get our definition straight. And again, we're talking to Bill Cox. He's a coach and speaker and uh, consultant. Um, what is a life coach? Well, I don't think of it as a life coach. I just think of it as a coach. Um, I mean, really, a coach is just someone who is really a thinking partner. It's it's one of the most unique relationships, and to me, one of the most transformational relationships that exists. That's why I love coaching relationship because it's such a transformative environment. It's really the only environment that you can be in as a person and have someone who is a thinking partner with you fully invested in your success. And their job really is to help you expand awareness in your life, first of all. And that's why so much of what coaches do centers around asking questions process of being fully present in a conversation and asking questions is just about helping people expand awareness, awareness of their gifts, awareness of um, their passions, awareness of their limitations, awareness of blind spots, all those kinds of things. And through that process of deepening awareness, help people get clarity around what it 
is that's really important to them in their life, what they really want out of life. And then through that process of deepening awareness and formulating clarity, then it's helping people identify a framework of action moving forward, really getting a clear plan of action so that they can really step into their dream or their passion or their calling in life. How How is it any different from uh, it, it, the, your definition of coaching? How is it different than maybe like a counselor or a psychologist or so on? I mean, is there, is there, uh, is there a, a different action that comes out of uh, this coaching relationship than that, that wouldn't happen if you were just kind of going through helping people through their emotions or something like that? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's some similarities, but I always make clear in the front that I'm not a counselor. Counsel, counseling is more about looking back mm. and working through unresolved issues in the past. Coaching is really all about today and tomorrow, looking forward. That's a huge distinction. The forward vision of your life. Wow. I really think it is because to me, I mean, there's you cannot replace the role of a counselor. They play invaluable roles in people's lives. And I always tell people, you know, if I feel like in a coaching relationship, things are starting to go down a path where people have unresolved issues, you know, to me, it's time to call a timeout. Say, hey, you know what? I think this is a great place for us to just kind of stop. And let's get some of these issues resolved and dealt with. And then we can pick back up and move forward into your vision once some of these things are settled. One step forward, Bill. Let's do a little quick commercial for one step forward. We'll get into it a little bit later too. But uh, what do yeah. you try to do with one step forward? So one step forward is a half day conference brand that we started. This will be our third year now, just coming up here in May. We really like to do to create environments where like-minded people can come together and get great teaching be inspired, have a vision for growing themselves and developing as leaders. And they get the kind of content that is really practically oriented that gives them just great tools to go back into their workplace and do better. (laughs) More effective in any number of areas in their lives. I know for Andy and I, we've been going to conferences for decades and we love the conference environment. And uh, it was always a great opportunity just to kind of unplug from your everyday rhythm and take some time out of life to invest in yourself, get re-inspired, to kind of get a new vision for your growth moving forward. And I always love to go to conferences because I always love to come back with some new tools to help me be better. And so that's really been a big part of our vision with what we want to do in our conferences. We want them to be inspirational and we want them to be super practical in terms that makes sense. Yep. And we do welcome to the microphone <laughs> another coach, Andy Kerr. Welcome, Andy. Hey. Hi, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, everybody. Hi, uh, I'm so, yes, I did. I made it. I had a counseling session that ran over. So It happens. Well, I'm glad because my next question actually is for you, Andy. And, and we were able to kind of hear your origin story a little bit earlier when we played the very first uh, – recording that we did remember when we oh, yeah. were at, at tim hortons yes. and uh, 
a very eventful morning together, but uh, <laughs> is that <what> is? <laughs> that's yeah, yeah. When, when, when the EF, EFD showed up, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, the first time I've ever done CPR. Yeah, he, he re, revived, brought a man back to life. But uh, uh, we're talking about coaching, and 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 Bill described it as a listening partner, and I think that's uh, you know uh, a, a thinking partner, a thinking partner. I think that's amazing. And mm-hmm. you, before you became a coach. Mm-hmm engaged a coach can you talk about your journey when you engaged a coach yeah it's it was life-changing you know i was coming up on um 40 and uh (laughs) and i really wanted the next 20 years of my life to be better than the first 20 i really uh didn't want to have a crisis uh you know there's it's a time of somebody's life where they're really trying to figure out is this what I'm going to keep doing or do I want to do something different? I wanted to make sure I was hitting the, you know, the main uh, center of my passion and my purpose in life. And, and I really, somebody challenged me to look up a coach and it was interesting. It, it just at that same time is when Maxwell was actually starting their coaching uh, certification program. And I, I looked at that. It was like the ground floor and you know, who doesn't want to be on it? I will. I, I'm an early adopter, yeah. so I want to be on the ground floor of stuff. And and but I was in this turmoil. Uh, I don't want to be a coach. I I need coached. Yeah. <laughs> and and really, so I I uh, decided to to hire a coach, uh, a guy named Dave Kraft. He was I, ironically I had just read his book on leadership, uh, Leaders Who Last, and he happened to be one of the coaches available on this coaching team. And I was like, oh my gosh, I want that guy. And at the time it was 2011. That guy was, uh, he was, you know, 70, uh, you know, early seventies had been in ministry his whole life, navigators and just uh, tough as nails, beat cancer, played racquetball every day of his life and beat wow. guys half his age. I mean, very, just an inspirational guy. Um, and, uh, when I, and so, yeah, I started coaching with him and it changed my life. I have a particular, do I have time? I have a particular story. Yeah, you got plenty that. of time. Yeah. So, you know, I'm on this phone and it was a phone call because he's on the West Coast and it was a half hour phone call uh, every other week. And that I, was the nature of the coaching contract. Yeah. yeah so the, it was a, a two hour initial phone call. We went through a di- my disc assessment and, and uh, you know, just kind of got- a, a, Don't just throw that out. Disc assessment disc is assessment. like a personality profile. Yeah, personality profile. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Bill is really the assessment guru uh, of the two of us, but uh, <laughs> uh, you can ask him more about that. But it's a personality profile, a four quadrant uh, profile, and, and uh, just talking through how I'm wired. But then it was a half hour phone call for an entire year. Uh, and there was one particular conversation that really changed everything for me. I really wanted, I was in ministry and I really wanted to get my seminary degree. And that's a big deal. It's, and yeah, big commitment. But I was, I was ready to do whatever it took because I wanted to grow. I wanted to learn. I wanted to be the best me I could. And this conversation with, with Dave was beautiful. And I used this to sell coaching as well. And it went like this. Um, so we're on the phone and I said, Dave, I think I want to get my seminary degree. He's like, okay. Um, how long is that going to take? I'm like, well, it's like three year commitment. He's like, okay. Now what's, what's the cost on a seminary degree? 
I was like, well, it's probably going to be thirty, forty thousand dollars. Holy moly! Yeah, you know when it's all said and done. Sure, you know, absolutely. Schooling. And he's like, okay, um, do you like school? <laughs> mm, well, uh, no. He's like, okay. Well, are you good at it? Like, does it come easy to you? Maybe you don't like it, but I'm like, no, I kind of stink at school. Like school's like, I love, I love learning, you know? Right. But I, I hate writing papers. Like it's this whole school thing is not my vibe. But he's like, okay. Um, do you, so do you need it? Do you need the degree? If you're going to be a, you know, if you're going to be a, a mechanic or an engineer a uh, mechanical engineer or a doctor, you're going to need a degree. Do you need the degree to get your goals, get reach your goals that you want to in life? And I was like, oh my gosh, mm, no. So why? Why do you want this? It's, you know, I paid this guy a little bit of money, but he saved me $30,000. Yes, he he said, you're going to do something for three years for $30,000 that you don't like, that you're not good at, and that uh, you don't need. <laughs> changed my life it changed your life Andy Kerr and Bill Cox is making uh, another connection and will be with us in a second and uh, Andy um, alright so you you, you know it, you need that help for self awareness mm-hmm. is it just that it's a, another set of eyes on our in, on our situation and experience that is the the power or what well it's it's fascinating. Um, some research was done about, and, and this isn't super encouraging for, uh, you know, people that have many many degrees in this. And I'm not, uh, I'm not saying that uh, your degrees, people's degrees, don't matter. But some of the research that they've done is is not the the people that were getting the most help from counseling and coaching. Yeah. Um, it didn't matter necessarily what kind of degree they had or what their perspective was or what the it mattered that somebody that was empathetic was there huh. listening to the other person and uh, i'm sure there's research on different sides but i think uh, one of the things for me in the power of coaching is to believe that a lot of it, maybe not all, but most of the answers lie inside the person themselves. Their experience, uh, you know, all the things that they've learned up to this point, um, all of us have a lot of those answers just inside of us because how we're wired and who we were created to be. And sometimes I think we forget from a, you know, from a biblical perspective on, on coaching that, that we were created by God to be creative. Okay. You know, and so we are literally um, made to be creative and to find solutions and solve problems. And, and, and so if, as a coach, if I believe that, you know, the, the best answers to your problems, Joel, are already inside of you, my job is to, to reach in there, ask the right questions, right. be incredibly curious about how to pull those out and, and help you see it maybe in a different way. How, how do you see the things that are already in there. And some of that's the belief that you can actually solve those problems in your life. And, and sometimes you have to borrow somebody's belief for a while. Interesting. Yeah. Just, you don't, you don't have enough, uh, wherewithal, uh, you know, to believe yourself, mm-hmm. you, you, uh, you have to, 
you know, borrow the confidence of somebody else. Yeah. Bill, you, are you back there, buddy? I'm back. All right, beautiful. Be- oh, no, we're good. So, all right. So, um, I, 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 you know, Andy, when when we had you uh, with that pre-recording, you talked about the terror barrier yeah. and uh, believing in yourself. Mm-hmm. I would like both of you guys to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Bill, you want to weigh in on the terror barrier? I, we've we've had we've had some back and forth with with uh, you know being really I I know I've hit that terror barrier big time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I've for myself I've battled fear all my life. I'm just in the middle of kind of putting together my own coaching blueprint, and one of the pieces of it is developing a healthier mindset. And so much of what happens in coaching is you're really confronting a lot of inner game stuff, a lot of your own self-limiting beliefs. You know, for me, coaching is so personally significant because of the issues that I've dealt with myself. I Mm. still deal with fear. Mm. (laughs) I still deal with terror barriers. I feel like every day I get out of bed. And I feel like the more and more I work with people, there are certain really big foundational issues that like most people deal with. And for most people, we all have this vision or this dream for our lives that on one hand, like gives us goosebumps and gets us excited. And on the other hand, scares us so much, it makes us want to vomit. And like when you're in that place, I feel like you're, you're probably getting really close to what you should be doing in this world. (laughs) And for so many people, that's that's that watershed moment. Are, are we going to step into our vision? Are we going to step into that thing we were created for? Or will we retreat back? Because a lot of those mindsets mm-hmm. that we've developed over the years are the way we see ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's where a lot of, I mean, our brains are really engineered to keep us alive. <laughs> so, wow. That subconscious part of our mind is always every few seconds checking to make sure, is it safe? Is it safe? Is it safe? And while that's great in many cases, it's great that our God created us that way because that does keep us from danger. There are a lot of situations in life that our brains perceive of as dangerous because we just simply, it's just unknown territory. Mm-hmm that they're not, it's not dangerous per se to our life, you know, and our, our existence, but it's going to force us out into new territory Mm. where we could fail Uh, the very thing that we need in order to help us grow and to be successful. So, yeah, I mean, those are, those are big deals. I know my whole getting into coaching was a massive Mm. terror barrier. I was terrified. I had no, I had no money you know, to, I had no job standing behind me, nothing to rest back on, you know, when I stepped into it. And in addition to that, I took out a loan for $15,000 because I knew that assessments was a, a piece of what I wanted to do in coaching. So, and I'd never been in business for myself before. You know, hmm. it's like, I don't, I don't know how to be in business. I've never been in business. <laughs> um, I know. So, so, and I always tell everybody it's, it's that's that's when you're in a territory where something really special can happen because it create once you step 
it's like an Indiana Jones movie, you know, mm-hmm. where there's a cross beam there, but he can't see it. <laughs> and it, once you step out in belief of your calling and your gifts, and you realize that you didn't die, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that not only not only that, but something pretty cool happened. Mm-hmm. It changes everything. I mean, it changes the whole the whole trajectory of your life. You know, we, but I know a lot of people uh, struggle with that, and I mean, I think for coaching, that's one of the great gifts and most exciting things about coaching is I think you guys are talking about the concept of borrowing confidence. Mm-hmm. You know, having someone that's so vested in your success, sees stuff in you, believes in you, is you know, kind of your partner in success in life. You can borrow some confidence from them while at the same time getting clarity about how you could move forward. You know, in Celebrate Recovery, we have this saying that nothing great happens when you hold back. It comes from a a movie that they did. um, Yeah, it's a baseball movie. But, you know, you think about that idea. There's a, uh, you can look up that YouTube thing that Will Smith did too, where he talks about jumping out of the plane. Mm. And he says the best things in life are on the other side of terror. And I just, <laughs> I just love that, that analogy that, you know, that complete bliss that he talks about mm. of after jumping out of the plane, you realize your parachute opens, that you're okay, but you've had this experience that you had to, you know, step through this really scary thing in order to get there. And, you know, a lot of people, that's why movies where people do great things are so inspiring because we feel like in some ways, all of us have that in us. We want to do something great. We want to live a life of significance. We want to, you know, help other people achieve uh, great things in their lives as well. But we can't do that unless we um, step into uh, a part of who we are. I had a, when I started in ministry, I had a paralyzing fear of talking in front of people. Uh, and it, it was. It took a really long time to feel at all comfortable getting up in front uh, of a crowd. I mean, it, I have I have frozen in front of crowds, and uh, that that's a horrible feeling. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. not fun. It, it happens here behind the microphones too. <laughs> a, a lot of what you guys coach is about kind of like that. Uh, you know, going out, uh, uh, taking the risk, getting the reward, and you know, rinse and repeat kind of thing. It's it basically it's a it's a habit cycle or creating better habits. What's a good way to start that? I mean, you know, how do you how do you re reprogram your thinking and create better habits? Mm-hmm. Bill, you want to grab that? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it really has. It really kind of goes back to. Uh, what we were talking about earlier in deepening deepening awareness. So, I mean, coaching always starts with it always starts with gaining clarity around what what the client wants. You know, what what is their vision? And let's first get really super crystal clear about that picture, that image inside of your head of success. You know, and and once once we know that, now we've got a clear vision. And, and really, vision is a huge part of people moving forward and their life success or their calling because our, our brains think in pictures. And so the more compelling you can make that vision and picture, the more powerful that becomes. It becomes an emotional driver to kind of 
compel you forward into your life. But I would imagine Even, I would imagine a lot of people are wanting to have uh, have some kind of level of achievement that is dependent upon a third party, maybe a boss saying, you know what, uh, you know, I will make you a department head or I will make you, you know, the head of head of your little division or something. I mean, again, when we're talking about corporate world or we're talking about even, you know, other things, not everything is in our realm. How do you how do you deal with that? Well, I think you worry about what you can control. You know, coaching is all about what you can control not about what you can't control. Mm -hmm. And I think for everybody in life, whether you're in business for yourself or whether you work for somebody, all of us have things that are both inside our control and outside of our control. So coaching is all about, hey, let's get clear on what it is that you really want for your life. Mm -hmm. And then from there, let, let's just get a bigger picture of, hey, what have you tried? You know, mm -hmm. what, uh, what steps have you taken? What's keeping you, what's holding you back? What's standing in your way? What's slowing you down? Now we're getting into the territory of finding out what are the sorts of things that keep people stuck. Yeah. And when you get into that territory, then you start to get into sometimes some of those self-limiting beliefs that people hold about themselves. You start to raise awareness around the stories that people have told themselves all their life that... Mm -hmm haven't been healthy stories that haven't been mm -hmm. accurate stories. And once they under un, start uncovering those things and they start to see the impact of those things on their lives, the great thing about the brain is, and this is the beautiful thing about brain research is that we can change the way we think the whole concept of neuroplasticity, neuroplasticity is that the mind is malleable. You can regroove new neural connections in your brain and literally think in new ways. You can literally become a different kind of person, think new thoughts, um, develop new beliefs. And that's the fun part of the coaching process. Mm -hmm. When you uncover some of the things that people haven't even been fully aware of and how those beliefs have been impacting their, the effects of their life, they've been living at the effects side of life, not at the cause side of life. Coaching gets you at the cause side of life and you, like Carl Jung says, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will rule your life and you'll call it fate. No, you bring these beliefs in, into the conscious powerful. realm yeah. and then you're like, oh my gosh, I never realized that like, that I really think that way about myself and here's how it's affecting my life and we well, don't have to think that way. <laughs> yeah. You know, who said that's true about you, mm -hmm. you know? And we don't really need to care how you, about how it all happened, whether it's family of origin issues or, or, you know, you know, just, you know, how you grew up or, you know, and, and different things like that. It's, it's what, how are we going to deal with them right now? Right. And I think there's, you yeah, know, sure. I think that counseling does a lot of good work with people about, you know, their past and getting people to the present, you know, and coaching really has to do with, uh, you know, where are you now? Like you just said, and where are you going? There's a great book. If people uh, want to do some looking into this, the power of habit uh, is a, an amazing book about re recreating those pathways. That's on uh, my Kindle. Yeah. Oh man. And, and it's like, if you think about it computer wise, you know, it's writing new code over top of old code. Uh, part of the problem is that the old code doesn't really go away. Um, so like if you, if you 
drift back into old habits. That's why if you develop a new eating habit or exercise habit and you're doing well and things are rocking and you know, you're slimming down and looking buff and whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you're like, Oh, cheeseburgers. And you know, like you're back and, <laughs> and then boom, the old habits kick in. Right. You know, so having a support network, having somebody on your side, like a coach, you know, having a group that you're working with for accountability, um, you know, belief, you know, that there's something bigger that's guiding your life. Like, um, you know, they say in the book, just a higher power, but, you know, we believe in, in faith and in God and he's got a plan and mm-hmm. those kind of things. So, you know, like all of that matters, uh, in understanding that, but yeah, like Bill was saying that, that plasticity of the brain that you can rewrite, you can write new code over the old code and, and live a whole new different way. I know both of you guys are voracious readers. It, is that a skill that you really push onto your clients that you got to start reading? I don't know that I push reading. I I think I I'm always recommending books to people. Mm-hmm. I push learning. I push growth. Yeah. You know, wherever people can put themselves into arenas where or environments where they're really growing. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean it, it's in a book, but I mean, obviously a big part of growth is, I always think about growth in light of a plant. How do plants grow? Well, they grow when they're in the right environment, when the conditions are right. If the conditions are right, if you have enough sunlight, water, the soil's right, if you have fertilizer, if the temperature's right, guess what? The plant's going to grow. So I always try to help people think about, hey, let's look at the environments of your life. Let's get your environments right because you are, you are engineered for growth. As people, we're created naturally to, to grow. We're created for growth. Let's make sure our environment's right. Like, let's look at your mental environment. What are you putting into your mind? That's where I think the reading comes into. You know, what are you, what are you listening to? Let's look at your physical environment. Let's talk, talk to you about your, you know, just your, your home environment. What's like your, what, when I walk into your office, what about your office inspires you to do your best work? You know, the whole Chinese concept of feng shui. Are you creating a, a great inspirational physical environment? How about your relational, your people environment? And when people can start looking around and improving all of those environments, guess what happens? They naturally become more passionate about their own growth and personal development. Joel, does your office spark joy in oh, you? Yeah, hold, hold on a second. Let me turn that off. Uh, <laughs> Apparently. Apparently no, it does. Uh, Music uh, began the, playing. The, well, yeah, I've got my Halieva uh, North Shore surfing dude on my wall. Yeah. That get, that brings me right back to the North Shore of Oahu. Is that and, you? Uh, is that you with that golden tan? That, that is my aspirational me. <laughs> We're talking to Andy Kerr and Bill Cox. They're they're coaches and they're consultants. Um, you know, uh, we've got about uh, four or five minutes before the top of the hour here, and I don't want to um, you know let the the time go without talking about the event and also um, you know uh, you know just uh, we got to talk about leadership because uh, and 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 Bill, you're going to be able to hang on with me till five thirty, right? Sure. Okay, so we'll dump, we'll jump into leadership quite a bit there, but I want to hear Andy's. You have to split pretty soon, or uh, well, things have changed. So okay, so yeah. so you're staying with me. All right, so we have some time. I like this live radio. We're agile, mobile, 
Tactile. Okay. <laughs> Where's Fra- that from? Fragile. <laughs> fragile. Yeah, we're fragile. I'm, I'm, I'm a Fabergé egg. <laughs> oh. <laughs> anyway, Bill Cox, Andy Kerr. The event coming up is one step forward. And Bill kind of explained it in the first hour. I'll give you a chance to explain it this this half hour. It's kind of like that that four hour, you know, kind of a inoculation to kind of get you moving and and uh, set some new plans up, huh? Well, yeah. I mean, it's uh, the we. I think we were specific about the title. Um, you know, we want people to move forward. Baby steps. Yes, baby steps. Um, if you if you could take one baby step forward, you know, sometimes it's it's you know whether we're talking about uh, leadership development or addiction recovery uh, or whatever it is where people are trying to grow and move forward. Uh, you know, I, I think of that that quote from uh, Martin Luther King: "If you can't run, walk. If you can't." Rock, walk, crawl, but by all means, keep moving. You know, this, yeah. this, we want at least making another step. What do you have to do? You know, uh, a lot of us come up with excuses and it's so amazing to me how many excuses we can come up with of why, why we can't do something that we want to do, uh, that we even would want to have a reality, but, you know, we make up excuses. I've, I've always struggled with reading all the way through school, um, you know, and and I found audiobooks as, you know, you said, you know, are, are you pushing reading on people? Well, I, <laughs> I push a lot of audiobooks on people uh, because that's how I learn. I like listening to it. And then if, if the book really um, sparks joy in me, uh, I, will, <laughs> I will get that book and I will read it and I'll underline it and I'll highlight it. Uh, but, you know, however somebody is going to grow best, whatever their method is, if they need somebody to meet with, you know, we do, Bill and I both do uh, groups called mastermind groups. It's like a taking a book and we're all reading the same material and, yeah. and digesting it together. Uh, you know, those kind of things. Sometimes if you need other people to, you know, to give you different perspective, perspective on the same material so yeah. you can think thoughts that you didn't, that you didn't have before. Well, explain that whole mastermind thing. I, I, I'm not sure I totally understand what that concept's about. Yeah, so the concept of um, a mastermind comes from a fellow by the name of Napoleon Hill, who he was actually a protege of Andrew Carnegie. Um, and Andrew Carnegie, of course, was the steel magnet in Pittsburgh at the turn of the century, one of the wealthiest people in the world. And Napoleon worked on his estate and Carnegie saw potential in him. And he said to Napoleon, he said, if you'll study, he said, if you will commit your life to studying what it is that makes the most, the wealthiest and most successful people in the world successful, uh, I will introduce you to some of the most successful people in the world. So Carnegie had the connections and that, that um, hill on a 25 year really study that led to his classic called Think and Grow Rich. And in that book, Napoleon Hill develops 13 success principles. One of those principles is called, you know, the power of the mastermind. And one of the things that he discovered in the world's most successful is that they tapped into the thinking of other like-minded people to help them reach a level of success or thinking or intelligence that otherwise couldn't be achieved. And he likened it to like a bunch of batteries being hooked in series. 
that the potential of those batteries being hooked in series is exponentially greater than any single battery by itself. So when you tap, when you, what he talks about the, the idea of coming together of, of like-minded people in the spirit of harmony. So it's very critical that the environment is right. Mm-hmm. by the right people in the room? Are they like-minded? Is there a spirit of harmony? Is there a real passion to grow and develop? Is there a, you know, this spirit in the room where people want to learn from and add value to one another? And when you have that, you have a very special environment where people can learn from each other's experience. You can learn from their thinking. You can learn from the questions that they ask. And through that process, the, the learning that takes place in that environment is at a much deeper and more powerful level. We are so excited as we're talking about leadership and coaching in this big event that's happening here on uh, May 3rd at the Hurt Auditorium. Uh, down at the Blasco Library. It is one step forward. Yes, we're taking baby steps, and I'm kind of doing my, you know, Matt Foley thing here. (laughs) We're not going to a van down by the river. If you don't want to live in a van. (laughs) Smoking doobies. No, we we still have to do the weed show. Uh, Shane and I are going back and forth on on kind of really examining... Yeah, well, I feel like it's. I feel like our town is being pressured, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, with the the lieutenant governor walking around sixty seven counties. I saying, feel like I'm back in high school. Yeah, it's, you know, <laughs> what is that smell? No, uh, no. We've got Andy Kerr, Bill Cox. They're uh, coaches and they're uh, consultants and speakers here, and we're talking about um, this one step forward event that's coming up on May third. Maybe we should get some logistics out of the way right now. Because we, you got to go to a website and register for this thing, right? I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, you can go yeah. to one step forward conference dot uh, com, uh, or I, I believe Bill has, you know, if you go to billcoxcoaching dot com or andykerrcoaching dot com, you can also uh, get have a link to go to the register to the conference. But if you want to go right there, one step forward conference dot com, and yeah, we'll and we'll get something on our website tonight. So that people can find that there at talkerie.com. But uh, okay, I, I gotta I gotta pivot to leadership here because we're down to our last twenty minutes. And I, you know, of course, with you two, I could talk leadership for for another uh, hours, hours and hours because this is this is a part of your passion, uh, um, both of you. And so, all right, both of you answer this question: When what do you say when somebody says I'm not a leader? And I hear this all the time. I'm not a leader. I'm a, I'm a follower. Yeah. Well, they might be right. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, so, I, you know, for, for me, you know, I, I guess I gravitate towards John Maxwell's material because, I, and I think, honestly, Bill, I think you gave me my first John Maxwell book uh, when we were first yeah. working together. Uh, and, uh, that sparked my interest. We've always been fans and, and, uh, you know, digested his material over the years in ministry. Um, and so it's this, you know, my whole life is Bill's fault. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> that is a problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to need some coaching, uh, Bill. So, you know, I, his definition is, is that le- leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. Um, the ability to influence someone else. And that doesn't 
necessarily mean for good. I mean, there have been people that have had leadership, unfortunately, uh, influence in the wrong direction. Mm -hmm. Uh, And sometimes we don't even know that we are leading people just by our actions, by what we do. You know, what kind of leadership do you want is a better question. All of us influence. They say even the most introverted person can influence as many as 25,000 people during their lifetime. Um, so you're influencing other people, and by that definition, therefore, a leader. How? The question I think should be, how do you want to influence? How do you want to lead people in, in a positive direction or a negative direction? Isn't leadership important? Uh, isn't followership just as important as leadership? Because everywhere, somebody has got somebody above them and below them and side to side, right? Bill, talk about, you know, Good leaders are good listeners and followers. Am I, am I washed up on that? <laughs> I don't think you are. Um, well, I went back to that question you asked. You know, I hear a belief system when somebody says I'm not, I'm not a leader. That's just a belief system. I've heard hundreds of people say that. Mm-hmm. And it just represents the way they see themselves. And like Andy says, you know, when you can see yourself, when you can have a a lot of that comes from a, an unhealthy, distorted, warped understanding of what leadership is or a very narrow understanding of what leadership is, that leadership is position or leadership is title or leadership is title or leadership is knowledge. Mm-hmm. All those are very narrow definitions of leadership. But when you expand it to leadership as influence, it changes everything. And yeah, of course, for, for every one of us, we need to be good followers. And we need to be able to be influenced, and we need to be able to influence. There are those times where it's important. I think we should always have somebody who is out in front of us who's a great model, a great example you know, of, of what leadership looks like, of what influence looks like, you know, that can constantly be pulling us forward in our own journey. And at the same time, we need to have people that, that, that we very intentionally understand that I always tell people, do you, if you're going to be an effective leader, you have to embrace the fact that you have influence and you have to be so intentional about it that you are pretty smart about who it is that you're influencing. Mm-hmm. I thought arrogance, that's just wisdom. And that allows you to be a whole lot more intentional about the way you lead your life and who you choose to invest in. Yeah, you know, I love that, Bill. You know, it's, it's that balance of this confidence that you are a leader and that you are influencing people in, in, and taking that responsibility seriously and at the same time holding humility that, you know, you know we have weaknesses, we don't see everything perfect, we're, we're going to be better with other people around us. So, like, the best leaders are the ones that, confidently embrace the fact that they have influence and at the same time confidently embrace the Mm -hmm. fact that you know they don't have all the answers Mm -hmm. and admitting when they're wrong admitting when they make mistakes admitting that they're weak in certain areas i I gotta i gotta share a story Mm -hmm. with you guys and 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 uh and and just be a little transparent here okay um over 20 years ago, and, and, and so it wasn't at, at, at my last assignment. This was an assignment before. I had, a, I had somebody in authority over me walk into my office and basically say, you're just a terrible leader. Mm. And, um, and I said, um, well, that's interesting that you say that because 
I've done leadership all my life. I mean, ever since Cub Scouts and, you know, Boy Scouts, I was this, you know, the scout leader and, and, uh, you know, in high school I was on student government. I mean, you know, and, and, and he said back to me, well, maybe you were just willing. And, um, it's, it's one of those things that it's one of those things that even brings pain to the, to oh, me, wow. to my old man self today, Yeah, you know? And, and, uh, I, I mean, I don't, I don't even know what to do with that. Yeah. But, uh, I think he equated leadership with management, with toughness and, and, um, you know, just mm-hmm. that, just that authoritarianism. Mm-hmm. And it really ticked me off. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to say more, but I can't say it on the radio. Uh, I yeah. mean, I, I mean, is that just a misnomer, y'all? I mean, yeah. about leadership? Well, I mean, I think, first of all, you don't have to accept the things that people say. Mm-hmm. People say a lot of things that come out of their own unhealthy mindsets, their own mm-hmm. unhealthy belief systems. And a lot of times, those people are influential. Maybe they have positional authority, like right. this person did in your life. Yeah. And because of that positional authority, we attach weight to the things that they say. Whether or not those things that they say have credibility or not. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think that's the power and danger of, of leadership. Because those, there are moments like that that can change the whole trajectory of a person's life in a very negative and toxic way. You know, and, and a lot of times people don't have the, the awareness of the strength within themselves with their own internal wiring to not let those things affect them, yeah. you know, and really have a significant negative impact on their future. I mean, that happens a lot, unfortunately. It was like what, like one of Andy's, one of Andy's body shots that he took when he was, <laughs> you know, fighting for the homeless. Yeah. I mean, you know, when Lou Jr. whacked you, I mean, it takes a while to recover from that, mm-hmm. from those body shots. Hey, Joel, I mean, look at, look at your situation. I think this is a great example. Like, look what you're doing now. Mm-hmm. If we're defining leadership as influence, are you a leader? I think so. Oh come on! You know, I, yeah, of I mean, course, I'm, 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 of course, I'm, I'm just more, more self-aware than that. that yeah. Absolutely, yes. I, yeah, I am so, a leader, sure. So my point is that, like, how it's how you leverage your influence. You're now leveraging influence in a way that is completely in alignment mm-hmm. with your personality, with your passions, and with your gift. And with your gifts, does that make you a corporate positional leader who leads in a certain way? over a certain team of people? No, your influence looks completely different mm. because it's a combination of the uniqueness that makes you, you. And I think if more people would understand that there's mm-hmm. no one size fits all for leadership and that if I would just embrace the concept of influence mm-hmm. within the framework of who God created me, it would, I mean, it would be a game changer all over our world. People would start to live lives of influence in very creative and different and powerful ways. You know, Bill, it was really interesting, uh, you know, when you say that, just to, just to pile on the compliment. Oh, uh, thanks, Ben. You know, you know, I was here one, one of the days, uh, and it was early on when you had just started, and, uh, and Joel, you looked, you looked tired, and he's like, well, it was up till midnight and we we're putting a thing together, <laughs> and, but I could see, I, and I said this is what I said to him, Bill, and I said, 
but you're loving it, aren't you? And he's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, like, you know, when you're in that place, you you could be working your tail off, mm-hmm. but you're, you're loving what you're doing. You're in the center of your passion. You're, you're connected to the work. It's meaningful. You're affecting lives. 200 guests that, you know, you call people, they have to agree to come and be on the show. Right. Yeah. That's it. And drive to Waterford. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, let's turn this away from me and (laughs) and, and talk to our, 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 our people that are listening though, because they want to be people of influence. And again, uh, what you're saying, it it really leads in my next uh, question about the, that 360 leader. We, Mm -hmm. when we lead, we're leading up, down, side to side. And, and uh, because if leading, if leadership is influence, that makes total sense. Yeah. Well, you know, I think I, my framework, I tell people, I said, there's I, uh, like a good pastor, you know, all my points start with the same letter. Uh, so I say, <laughs> the, the alliteration <laughs> kicks in. Yeah. So I, I say, there's some things that you need for good, healthy leadership development. I say, you know, it starts with hunger. You want, you need to want to change. Um, then you have to be honest. You have to be honest about who you are, where you are and where you want to go. Um, the third is humility. You have to ask for help. You don't have all the answers. You know, you have some of the answers, but you don't have everything you need. You, you have to reach out. You have to learn. You have to grow. You have to, you know, invite really great people into your life. And then helpful. You have to be able to reach back once you've gotten down the road to reach back and pull somebody else along. And the, and the fifth H is really just humor. Like, you, you just got to see the, the ridiculous in the world uh, in order to make it through with it, with a healthy sense of self and uh, not taking what you do seriously in yourself. Not so much, I think. Bill, you talk to a lot of folks in, in corporate in, in the corporate world here in the Erie region. You know, there's there's some people that you're talking to that don't have a down like they are the down. They're the entry level folks. How do they get mm-hmm. a sense of influence? Yeah, that's a great question. And to me, um, I always tell everybody, leadership is all about behaviors. You know, anybody can be a leader if you want. If you want to live a life of influence, it's about behaviors. I am a firm believer that um, leaders aren't born. Leaders are made as they choose to step out um, into their vision for their life and, and apply certain principles. So when I'm taking people through a course, Every week when they're learning information about leadership, when we're going through the 21 irrefutable laws of leadership, part of their weekly assignment is they have to identify what was the most significant takeaway from what I learned this week. And based on that, what is the one singular action step I will take in the next seven days to act on my vision, to act on my understanding of what a leader is? And what happens is I've got a group right now it's unbelievable what's going on with these group of 10 people just based on, you should see the energy in this room based on the action steps that they've chosen to take on their lives Hmm. and hearing each other talk about the action steps that they've chosen based on leadership principles. Leadership is all about behaviors. And when people start behaving differently and they see their life starting to change as a result, it's transformational. And I always tell people, you're in this mastermind for 12 weeks. And the reason you're in this 12-week, 90-day experience is because change doesn't happen overnight, but it does happen over time. Mm-hmm. And at the end of these 90 days, this isn't about collecting a few more puzzle pieces of knowledge. This is about changing your life. And when you start to behave differently, 
you literally will become a person of influence by changing an old behaviors and adding new behaviors. And I, it's powerful. Yeah. I just when heard people oh, sorry. see themselves differently and then they start to behave differently as a result. Mm-hmm. And when they watch their life change, everything changes. And that doesn't, again, so it doesn't matter where you are positionally mm-hmm. in an organizational chart, yeah. you could be that Not person of influence. See, I just heard Craig Rochelle say, uh, you know, uh, successful people do consistently what other yeah, people cool. do occasionally. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, that what Bill's saying, those habits done consistently, even daily over time, make an enormous difference, even when they're just small changes in behavior, small decisions that you make to decide I'm going to you know, begin exercising, you know, three, four five times a week. I'm going to change my habit of my diet. I'm going to start reading a book a week. I'm going to start, you know, these changes that you begin, all of a sudden the habits become the change, yeah. uh, you know, uh, in your success, as Maxwell would say, is found in your daily agenda. I'm glad you mentioned Maxwell because, again, uh, you guys, in addition to being disciples of Jesus Christ, your, your disciples are students of John Maxwell. What makes his take on leadership and his philosophy so uh, powerful and so special for y'all? Well, I think for me, I mean, I have an affinity with John because I got my start with John. When I got out of Bible college, I didn't know anything about leadership. Nobody was talking about leadership. And I got working in a local church, and I was like, everything I need to be effective in church ministry, nobody taught me at Bible college. And I wanted to demand my money back. <laughs> and, like, when I went to my first John Max, he was a pastor, okay, mm-hmm. teaching leadership. And so few people were talking about leadership that there were business people going to these conferences. And I remember going to my first conference. It was the Four Skills Conference in Detroit. And John was talking about developing skills around building better relationships, equipping people, attitude skills and leadership skills. And I was so impacted by the principles of that conference. It was like Moses had come down off the, you know, the mountain with, with, with Mount Sinai with the tablets. It was that significant for me. And I think because John, because I got my start with him, and, you know, also because at some point in his journey, he moved from the pastoral ministry world to focus fully on the, the kind of the corporate world with these leadership principles. Um, I kind of have an affinity with him mm-hmm. around that as well. So it's just kind of been a long journey of following him. And I mean, nobody, he is widely considered this isn't just because we're JMT coaches mm-hmm. and why they considered the foremost authority on leadership mm-hmm. in the world. He's offered, authored over 90 books and he's still ascending. He's still growing. And mm-hmm. so as far as a thought leader, um, I mean, his influence has been, been massive. And I think I love John's philosophy of just leadership is influence and his philosophy of the part of the JMT DNA is just like, living your life in such a way that you just, you live to add value to other people and to make other people's lives richer and mm-hmm. better and deeper. And to me, you know, I think Andy and I, we deeply resonate with that kind of DNA. So really made a lot of sense for us both. Yeah. And, and, and philosophically. you, 
you don't get pushback because his philosophy and your philosophy has that biblical background. I mean, you're in the corporate world. You're dealing with secular organizations. This, this, these universal ideas are fully accepted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, you know, it's yeah, so it's so interesting to me. You know, people that hire me to do trainings, whether it's your insurance or some, you know, that I did some work with, of course, Chick-fil-A, yeah. you know, uh, they're awesome. Um, but they, they have a biblical perspective on, on life too. That's how they run their business. But, but I mean, when I go to your, your event in the fall with, uh, you know, packed out yeah. with 500 executives, yeah, there's all kinds of uh, different uh, worldviews going on in that room. Mm-hmm. And even, but this is universal. Absolutely. Yeah, leadership, good leadership principles just work. And I think, you know, yeah. I, I love where John comes from because, uh, you know, he's humble. You know, he, these things, you know, these are the things I learned. I want to add value to your life. You don't have to be everything. Um, you know, just do the things that you're wired to do, do them well and apply these principles and they work in, in your life. And, you know, it, I think people resonate with, and he puts it in in a way that's easy to understand. Right. Cookies on the bottom. Yeah, so. and and you you can apply yeah. it right. I've got three minutes left, and I want to I want to uh, get a free consulting session here in the next two <laughs> minutes, and then we'll pitch uh, one step forward. Okay, so I am your client. I'm the I am the Erie region. Consult me. How do I move forward as a as a region? What what's your what's your uh, big um, uh, positive uh, push that you would give for Erie at, from your perspectives, Bill? Go, you start. No, I'll let Andy start. That okay. Andy. Well, uh, <laughs> well, honestly, if I'm going to be a good coach, I would just start with a question. I would be like Erie Region. What do you really want? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what do you want? Like, I think we're defining it, though. Yeah, soon. and I think we are, and I, I think we have to understand that. You know, I talk about this idea of hunger. You know, you have to want to change it. You know, I, I always go back to, we work with people in addiction recovery. Uh, you have to recognize that you have a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're not where you want to be. Um, part of the coaching process is defining reality. You know, let's, let's get, let's understand what our problem is. But I, I would ask, you know, do we want to really succeed? If so, what do we have to do to get there? Yeah. And then... What is the strategy that we're going to use? Probably something having to do with working together and yes. not against each other. And and the good thing is, is that I feel like that's happening. It any is. any additional thoughts, Bill? Uh, no, I mean I think he I think Andy nailed it. I think he's doing a great job of leading, you know, that change and um, kind of really fulfilling his own vision and calling for his life to that. So, yeah. but that's essentially coaching. Coaching. It starts with the client. It doesn't start with the coach. It's mm-hmm. all about understanding what success looks like for the client and then really helping them lay out a strategy and a pathway by which they can step into that. It's just really that simple. 